A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. We're recognizing farm and homesteads that have been in the family for more than 100 or 150 years. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. These families will get together at State Fair Park in West Dallas on August 9th for a celebratory breakfast. George Tipler will be there to accept the award for his family's sesquicentennial farm. The 21-acre parcel is in the town of Clayton in Winnebago County. It's been in our family since Wisconsin was a state, pretty much. The original owner was David Tipler back in on May 25th of 1857 is when he bought it, and he bought it from the U.S. government, the United States of America. I believe that there are six generations now that have had ownership of it. What did, what was farmed on that 21 acres, or was it always 21 acres? Was it larger at one point? As far no, this particular, I mean, my my grandfather, which is one that I, as far back as I go from personal knowledge, he had two pieces of land, uh, and uh, I'm not sure how they ended up with this particular one, but about a mile and a half away was his main farm, which right now is about 40 acres. Well, it's actually 35 acres, but before that it was even, I think it was more like 160. So this was, he had that main farm and then this was an additional piece of property that's always been in our family and always been farmed. And it's been all usually, well, crops. So corn, mainly corn and oats for many years because they really didn't grow soybeans until you know recently. And so uh, it was just another part piece of property that attached onto his main farm. And he, uh, my grandfather, was a, a livestock dealer. And so he would buy livestock from area farmers and even go as far away as other states and bought either horses, you know, years ago and would bring them to to the town of Clayton. And then he would sell those to farmers who needed horses. And so... Um, and then after the horses were replaced by tractors, then he bought dairy heifers, you know, that were bred, ready to have calves. And then he would bring them to the farm and then sell them to the local farmers. But he would always sell them before they had a calf because he did not have any facilities to milk, uh, milk cattle. And so and I used to go with him. Uh, on those trips, and we'd go to, most of the time, Wapaka when I went along, and he'd just go to the various farmers, many of whom in that area were Norwegian and, you know, Scandinavian, and and buy cattle and then bring them to his farm and then work on selling them. And that's how he made a living. And then he would also raise crops on the, on the land. What's so special, George, about this these 21 acres that it's stayed in the family, maybe more so than other pieces of land? or You know, um, of course, it was important to have farmland all the way along. I mean, you know, farmers always try to uh, accumulate land. And, of course, I didn't really appear on the scene until about 50 years ago. And uh, um, at that time, then I worked with my grandpa, Harvey, and um, I always 
I always wanted to buy the land because we wanted to keep it in our family. You know, he never wanted to sell it, which I can understand that. But then when he passed away, my father and his siblings inherited the land, and none of them are farmers. And, and so they rented it to me as a farmer, and I would grow crops on it. And then when they wanted to sell it, of course, I, I had the inside track because I was operating it, and I wanted to own it to keep it in the family, but I also wanted to accumulate land. And so that's why it stayed in the, in the family up through me and my daughters who will inherit it also want to keep it in the, in the family, you know, and, and continue the legacy of, of that particular field. Any, and, you oh, know, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, as uh, farms get developed, you know, there's going to be less and less parcels that are in the family for, you know, generations. And my daughters want to make sure that it stays in our family. So they have no interest in developing or anything. They just want it to stay in the family. Has it always been in production? Are there, are there plans to build on it or is it hunting land or walk me through that? Nope. It's, it's always been in production and uh, it's a rectangular field and one end is, is lower land. It's actually muck. And so it's difficult to grow crops on that. And so I've, uh, put those two acres on the one end into a, the government conservation reserve program. And so then that's, those two acres are grass only because we want to keep it from eroding and, you know, deteriorating. And of course, to provide a place for wildlife and all that, birds mainly, the nest and so forth. And the remaining 19 acres are farmed every year. And I, I remain farming them and I plant corn and soybeans and wheat and then rotate. So we have no plans of not continuing farming the land. I just want to ask about maybe a little more about the family history. If you remember hearing stories of what it was like farming in Wisconsin from the point your family got the farm through wars, through the Great Depression, what are some of the family stories that, that you've picked up? My grandfather, of course, would be the one that would have told any stories because he was the oldest one, you know, when I was growing up and yeah, he would talk about, uh, well, because he was a cattle dealer, he would talk about going to Minnesota and Iowa and buying horses. And my dad would drive truck for him. And my dad would always look forward to doing that rather than going to school. And so he, my dad, who was, you know, probably late teens would go with another hired man and they would head off to Minnesota and pick up a load of horses and bring them back. And of course, you know, trucks couldn't go very fast those days, you know, 35 miles an hour. So, I mean, that would be a major trip. And, uh, and he'd bring those horses back and sell them. And, um, you know, they talked about, uh, during the war, you know, there was rationing and all those kinds of things. And so, uh, of course, being a farmer, uh, he would be able to have access to meat uh, and that. Uh, but, uh, you know, and the big thing was going to get horses. And, you know, they would travel all over and, you know, get these horses and bring them back. And, and of course, they would need feed. And so that's where the farm came in, that 
you know, they would grow hay and, and grain and that to be able to feed these horses. And they wouldn't keep them very long, but they still need to be fed and maintained. And so, you know, that's, and my dad, you know, would talk about traveling with these uh, um, hired man and, you know, they'd run into problems, you know, various problems as you'd have trucking and, you know, the brakes would go out and they would have to figure out how to get those fixed and they're a long ways away from home. And, you know, I remember one time him talking about coming down this hill and, you know, they said, well, he said to the other guy, you know, how are we going to stop? And the guy says, well, all there is is prairie grass. We can't put that under the tire. You know, and so I don't know how they did stop it or slow it down enough. And, you know, they just had all those challenges that you anybody would have if they're driving truck and they have a load of horses. Do you have any memories in any, general of uh, of working on the land that that is sure. turning 150 years old? When I was 12, I started working for my grandpa and uh, he would have me go down there and do the tillage and do the um, plowing and all of that. And he had a super M, which was, you know, 60 horsepower. So it was quite small. And I remember going down there with a two bottom plow. So that would be, it would take, it was two 14 inch bottoms. So that would be 28 inches wide. And I'd have to plow this 20 acres of land, taking a swath 28 inches wide, you know, down and back. And that would take me a number of days, you know, but I loved operating a tractor and so i would do that and you know you're nowadays you have cabs and air conditioning and everything else well with that i was right out in the elements so if it was a cold day i got cold and if it was a hot day i'd be pretty hot (laughs) and uh you know but i just loved doing that and my grandpa would always come at noon and he would go into town and get a hamburger and a coke and maybe potato chips or something and he'd always bring that out so of course about 11:30 I'm starting to look for looking for that hamburger and he'd always come and and he'd bring that and but then I'd be on my own pretty much the rest of the day you know so but I enjoyed it and you know after doing that for a number of years eventually when I graduated from high school then my dad bought me a tractor and and I started farming our home farm which is different from this land but uh that's where I gained my experience of farming and then I was able to down the line purchase this field from my my dad and his siblings. So, what about with your daughters? I don't know how involved they are on the farm, but if they're looking to keep it in the family, um, do you work together with the next generation in produ- in production of that field? They're not farmers. I mean, they're definitely interested in keeping the land, but they'll they'll rent it to one of the other dairy farmers probably in the area. When I, when I stop operating it myself, um, you know they're they're not farm girls. Or I, I work with one of my daughters in the insurance business, and the other one is a technology specialist in a local company. Um, they're not farmers, and but they're I'm confident that that they're not going to be selling it, you know, anytime soon, if ever, yeah. because you know people ask about you know about acquiring the land and. And they just basically say, go back to the city where you guys belong. You know, we're not selling. So they're not, it'll, as far as I can tell, it's going to remain in our family for many years. Anything else you wanted to add about this land that, you know, what makes it maybe unique or anything else? 
Well, of course, the, the main thing is the length of time it's been in the family, but, you know, and I always think whenever I think of that land, I think of my grandfather because that's where most of my experience with that land originated. And, you know, of course, you always have fond memories of your grandparents. And, you know, every time we think of that or talk about that land, uh, my memory goes back to my grandpa. And so, so that's, you know, to me, that's special. And of course, you know, others may not quite feel that way because they didn't have the experience, but, but I did. And, and so that's why it's special to get this award and, you know, recognize how long it's been in the family. And I didn't really count the generations until like last night. Cause I figured you'd want to know that. And, and, uh, you know, I had a list of all the people when I applied and the years, but, you know, it's really something when you think of six generations had ownership of that. And, and the seventh is up and coming parcels of land that have been in the family for that length of time are just going to get less and less because people sell to developers and then gets all split up and that's the end of the farming part of it. George Tipler shares the story of his family's land in Winnebago County. The Sesquicentennial Farm and Home Award Program is a partnership between DATCAP and the Wisconsin State Fair. The Sesquicentennial Program is in its 25th year. Nearly a thousand farms have received the Sesquicentennial Award since 1998. These stories are brought to you courtesy of Compier Financial. Hear more stories at MidwestFarmReport.com. I'm Stephanie Hoff.